Love Talk Radio. Carrington, and you're listening to Call Talk for September 14th, 2011. Today's topic is employee incentives, the two magic words for success. And if you're listening live, we invite you to be a part of the show and ask us some questions. And here's how you do it. It's real easy. You can either email me at brian at benchmarkportal.com, spelled out B-R-I-A-N at benchmarkportal.com, or you can chat with us on our new website at BenchmarkPortal.com. We just launched a new website just two weeks ago, so if you haven't checked it out, make sure you do. BenchmarkPortal.com. There's a upper tab that you will see you'll want to find. That is Call Center News and Resources. Click on that, and then you'll see on the left we've got our Call Talk archives where you can listen live like you are right now, or you can also check out our upcoming schedule and even some tips from the experts. All that on our brand-new website, Hope you have a chance to check it out. All right, you can also call in, and if you're listening on the phone already, well, it's easy. That number is 347-857-3117. But make sure to press the number one on your phone to let me know that you have a a question and how we'll get you in. And the first five people to ask a live question today will receive one free course out of our management certification class. And there are 10 to choose from, such as IT management, monitoring and coaching, or workforce management, just to name a few. But the choice of the course is going to be up to you. I want to remind everyone, of course, as I just mentioned, that all of our previous shows are archived and available to listen to at BenchmarkPortal.com any time of the day. So now I'd like to introduce the host of Call Talk, Bruce Belfiore. Well, thank you very much, Brian, and welcome back to Call Talk, everyone. Uh, today's topic, as Brian mentioned, is employee incentives, two magic words for success, and those words are feedback and reinforcement. These are two of the four core tenets driving behaviors that affect KPIs, and to discuss this, we brought in an expert on the topic, Bob Cohen. Bob brings extensive knowledge and experience in the contact center industry, having worked for startups as well as well-established companies assisting them in finding new markets and expanding existing ones. Bob works with Snowfly, which specializes in employee incentives and recognition software and systems. And they do this in a very advanced way, and in doing this, he works closely with Dr. Brooks Mitchell, Mitchell, who we had on this show previously. And uh, Bob has earned numerous sales marketing accolades, but uh, concentrates really on assisting in ensuring customer success. He holds a degree in business administration from Michigan State University and resides in Farmington Hills, Michigan. Now, this topic is extremely useful to us as managers, and, Bob, I think it's also extremely useful to those of us who are parents. Uh, So, anyway, it's my pleasure to welcome you, Bob Cohen. Thank you, Bruce. It's nice to be here. Okay, well, you know, we'd all like to improve the KPIs, such as increased sales, reduced tardiness, uh, reduced absenteeism, turnover, uh, and especially the early stage turnover. And, um, you know, we know that incentive programs are one of the best and most successful methods to quickly accomplish this. And you mentioned that uh, two words being key to successful incentive programs are feedback and reinforcement. So, Bob, I'd, I'd just like to ask you, what have you found to be the best ways to use feedback and reinforcement 
in a really good employee incentive program. Bruce, using your analogy of a child, let me take you back a little bit. Now, as a child and a young adult, we learned that continuous feedback guided us in our pursuit of learning. We received regular grades for homework, tests, reports, and, of course, the dreaded final exams, thus conditioning us mm -hmm. to expect continuous feedback. Once out of school, though, and into the workplace, continuous feedback abruptly stopped and it changed to quarterly goals, MBO, and the annual reviews that often had very little relevance to the daily tasks and challenges. Now many of us are managers and need to motivate and incentivize our teams to improve a myriad of KPIs that could, in today's world, make or break our careers and, in fact, our companies. The first word... Mm. Now, those are good points. Those are great points. I mean, the, uh, the transition that we have from childhood where we get this continuous feedback at school to the workplace is oftentimes very abrupt. And, uh, yeah, the fact that you're bringing us back there, I think, is probably going to be very stimulating to everyone listening. So go ahead. Sorry to interrupt, but uh, tell us about feedback first. Well, it's important, and you're right. I guess the best word, way to describe it would be cold turkey. Now, we and our team members have been conditioned <laughs> for continuous positive feedback through educational. Feedback is craved because it's emotionally rewarded. Now, I injected the word, if you just caught it, the word positive, because I know from your teacher praising your work was much more desirable and elicited more renewal, renewed efforts than obviously a negative one. Now, just because you're out of school doesn't mean that continuous positive feedback is no longer a powerful motivator. In fact, mm. look at the continuous feedback received by those who play uh, games online or with something like PlayStation or Wii. These folks generate and receive positive feedback multiple times per minute. Talk about continuous. Wow. But, uh, because anything that provides mm. that kind of positive feedback will be repeated. It's no surprise that employee incentive programs at businesses today running longer, longer than six months, actually produce nearly twice the result of shorter duration programs. Now, successful wow. that successful is, uh, that, no, I was going to say that, that is quite a statistic. And, and successful incentive programs do not really have an end date. However, they should be frequently evaluated and updated. So lesson number one is to use continuous positive feedback. It is the emotion that gets activities started. What you want to do in implementing this is to take large activities, break them down into their precedent or their smallest measurable components, then reward these activities continuously as they occur, mm. and doing so will capitalize on the motivational effect that we all learned as kids. Now, depending upon the task and number of employees, this may sound as a laborious task, but the bottom line results are well worth it. Now, an added bonus is that morale actually follows performance. I'm sure you've seen where people will bring in a motivational speaker and expect that to improve performance when, in fact, it's the other way around. Now, the second of the key words is reinforcement. Here's an interesting statistics for those of you who like to go to Las Vegas. Did you know that more than 85% <laughs> of the revenue earned in Vegas comes from slot machines? Now, imagine if you called up your HR department and, ten, and you were written, you had to write a, a job description for a slot machine operator. Think about it. You might write, you, you sit in front of a machine, you drop a piece of metal into a slot, you pull the lever, you monitor a display, and you do it over and over and over and over again. Now, the wages that you earn, the wages that you earn will actually be negative. Try hiring for this job. Will actually have you lose all the money you brought in slowly. So that's the kind of motivation that reinforcement has. But let me expand the term reinforcement 
and proceed with the term random intermittent. Now, the magic of Las Vegas is random intermittent reinforcement. It's it's one of the most powerful motivators in existence when you realize the amount of money that is taken to Las Vegas and stays there. Now, now I'm, mm-hmm. not, I'm not suggesting you put your incentive program include gambling. It's a losing proposition, and I do not recommend offering lottery tickets as an employee incentive. However, <laughs> you, you have just witnessed the power of random reinforcement when you when you reward when you have a reward that depends on a spin the wheel, the take a ticket from a fishbowl, or select a sealed envelope. Okay. Okay. So, so really, let, I love the uh, Las Vegas uh, comparison, and you know, we could, we all have that Aunt Anne or you know Uncle Charlie or whoever who loves nothing better than to sit in front of one of those uh, slot machines, and 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 it is. It's sort of the random intermittent reinforcement that will, in fact, get them uh, coming back to those slot machines all the time. And uh, what you're doing is taking that same idea, but using it in a good way. In other words, you're not uh, taking their money. And uh, you know, building palaces in Vegas, you're actually uh, helping build the business and give them something of real value. So it sounds like the lesson number one is finding a way, a good way, to give people periodic reinforcement for success. Right? Exactly. Whether it's whether Bruce, it's okay. whether it's like opening up the box of Cracker Jacks, or Forrest Gump's, mm-hmm. I'm going to open the box of chocolates. I'm going to get something. Just don't know what it is. The emotion, the emotion <laughs> okay. is very powerful. Uh, it, okay, it good. You know, like, you're bringing us all back to our childhood with these illusions. I think they're great. They're great, uh, Bob. So, okay, then what's lesson number two in all of this? Well, the lesson number two is use random intermittent reinforcement. Now, it should not. Mm. It should be used in every activity, not just at special times or special events. Injecting a game with a random but controlled result will result in the award process gives additional reinforcement to the activity. Now, yes, your traditional top performers will still remain the top earners, the primary benefit will be to improve those who are not at the top and to ensure that the new hires are successful and do not become discouraged. And we all we all know where that slippery slope leads. Mm. I, I, you know, I think that's really important. And, and oftentimes we do see uh, with clients that it's not necessarily the top performers who, with an additional program, training or whatever, get a lot better. It's those people in the middle who really are trying their best, but who need a little bit of extra push, training, incentive, whatever it happens to be, you can see some very large gains in productivity from those folks. So, uh, you know, I like where you're going on this. Um, Are there any other tenets of a successful incentive program that you can share with us, Bob? Yeah, there are are a couple of more. Uh, One is to pay incentives immediately and separately from payroll. Uh, The more closely you tie the reward in the activity, the greater the reinforcement. Okay, so do you walk around the call center with $10 bills handing them out? Is that <laughs> Bruce, I've, I've how you do seen, that? I've actually seen it happen. If I can digress, uh-huh. I saw a shop in Atlanta. It was a collection shop. A guy named Billy had a large grocery bag full of dollar bills. They were all crumpled up, mm-hmm. but he also had, besides ones in there, he had a couple of fives, a 10, and a 50. And when somebody did the right thing, he'd walk around offering them the opportunity to reach their hand into the paper bag held it above their head, they'd reach in and they'd pull out the number of bills they were allowed to do so, one, two, three, whatever. And again, the power of that, when I'm going to pull it out and I'm going to get something out, not sure what it's going to be, was huge. It kept the floor buzz really active, and everybody wanted to, in this case, get billy bucks, if you will. So there's, a, there's a classic example of it. Uh, in fact, I wrote a paper okay, that, that's on the Snowfly website describing it, 
It's you know it's called paper or plastic. How a, a bag full of dollar bills can improve KPIs. Now that was the third tenet: to pay immediately and separately. If you include it in payroll, it will become expected, and that's why it has to be done separately. Of course, still must be taxed. Now the fourth tenet mm-hmm. is to provide a choice of desirable rewards. Believe it or not, Bruce, one third of incentive programs actually produce negative results. A surefire mm-hmm. way to kill an incentive program is to offer merchandise the employee sees as overpriced. Uh, while not overly saying so, they may ask why your company wasted their incentive reward that they earned on something that could have been purchased a lot less. Uh, one of the most recent surveys we've done of reward redemptions of our clients showed that 88% of the value of the client's employees' redemptions would have put funds onto Visa card or Master Debit card. Now, not surprisingly, many of these employees waited until October, November, December to spend the funds they had accumulated on their card, obviously saving for Christmas. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, and in this, uh, what about home agents, at-home agents? How, how are they different when it comes to incentive programs? Because we're seeing a lot of uh, research, and we're doing a lot of research, in fact, on the whole at-home agent phenomenon. How, how would you fit that in here? Bruce, home agents are finally catching critical mass. I think it's long overdue, if you will. And uh, it's, it's, it's really being driven by today's economy. Also, the fact that consumers today want to speak uh, with someone in North America who doesn't have a very far outreaching accent or doesn't sound like that on the other side of the planet. So home agents are finally mm-hmm. coming in, into the mainstream area. Now, this is great news overall. However, there's one major loss. You lose the highly motivational power of being part of a team, feeling of camaraderie. You can't smell the popcorn. You can't have a pizza party. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to <laughs> use today or considering home agents, you should be extra diligent about following the advice that we've just given, or you're not going to be getting the maximum benefit from home agents. Yeah, no, I, I can see that that would be a situation where also your at-home agent supervisors would have to just be monitoring that and sort of getting the feedback, understanding how people felt connected and felt rewarded and uh, how, in fact, well it was working. So, uh, okay, good input there. Uh, the next question I'd ask you is that, uh, particularly as an, a former CFO myself, uh, where I know that you want, obviously, to get the best for the company, but you're concerned about how much money you have to put up front for it, uh, what is the right amount of money, in your opinion, to spend for incentives? Uh, I obviously don't want to spend too much or too little. Uh, what, what would you call what we might call the Goldilocks amount? Well, that's, that, Bruce, is one of the key questions that is always asked, and you don't want to under nor overpay. If you underpay, you're, you're, you're probably guilty of wasting money just as much as overpaying. Now, we have seen that KPIs can be improved by a minimum of 20% when spending about two hours' worth of labor cost per FTE per month. Now, that means if you're spending, for example, $12 per hour for labor, for labor plan on $24 per month per FTE. Now, to me, that's an extremely good return on investment. We've also found that by spending more than 3% on payroll, it doesn't generate any extra effort. So if you're looking for a very simple number, I typically like to say about 2% of payroll should be distributed as incentives, and that is pretty much, as you say, the Goldilocks amount. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, you know, that's a great takeaway for people who are listening to this. Uh, they can do that calculation fairly easily. And uh, the fact, actually, that you have an upper limit on what typically will drive uh, behavior 
is reassuring because you're not going to the CFO and saying, you know, I want unlimited amounts of money, and the more you give me, the better it'll get. It's, you know, this is what research shows uh, is going to make a difference. Uh, so I'm asking for a very contained amount, two percent, in order to, uh, to to drive better performance in the center. I think I think that's very reassuring. Is is that what you find too when you talk to people? It's it's a number that's pretty much tried and true, regardless of where you look at it. So if the currency is is Canadian currency or U.S. currency or some other part of the planet, that's a pretty darn solid number. Okay, great. Well, you know, another question would be, uh, in this world of short attention spans, how long should an incentive program run? Actually, they should run continuously. should be ongoing, if you will. Now, that doesn't mean that they're going to be static. They should be updated and refreshed regularly. Uh, Now, research Mm -hmm. and our own experience has shown that you get twice the results when an incentive program is run longer than six months compared to short-term programs. I, I, you know, I, I'm surprised when I read some of the website and questions when people talk about the fact that, gee, we ran an incentive program for 90 days or two weeks or something like that. The program was over and the numbers reverted. What did they reverted to the pre of the program? <laughs> what did I do wrong? Well, well, it, it's yeah. kind of a self-explanatory question. Yeah. Yeah, no, and and the thing is, if as a result of the incentive you're able to calculate, and I encourage everybody in the audience to do this, to calculate the benefits in dollars and cents, or whatever your currency is, then you can in fact get the ammunition you need to make sure that the CFO continues to approve approve uh, incentive programs. So uh, I think that you know it's real important to. Uh, have the hat of productivity and the the hat of the CFO on as you're thinking through this so that you can have something that will really work and obviously have the hat of your your agents on as well. And uh, another quick question, does money work as well as merchandise for rewards? I mean, I've seen reports saying that the money is less desirable in some cases. What what, what have you found? Well, if you want to get into a flaming war of arguments, just get involved on some of the websites that discuss this, if you will. Um, now, yep. money, money meaning cash or, or spend anywhere gift cards, such as Visa or MasterCard debit cards, actually are the preferred reward when employees are given a choice. Some companies don't give mm-hmm. choices. Now, our more recent survey, as I mentioned, showed that clients' employees put 88% of the rewards putting funds onto what I call a spend anywhere debit card, a master, either a fixed value or a refillable card, uh, MasterCard, Visa card, Amazon.com certificates, PayPal points, those type of things. 10% actually of the reward money went to buy what I call store-specific cards, Target, Walmart, uh, Southwest Airlines, you name it, those kinds of things. Now, if you're mm-hmm. getting into the argument with someone about whether we should have uh, cards or whether you should have merchandise, remember that many of the folks who badmouth cash or cash equivalent actually work for companies that make their money for, by providing highly marked-up merchandise or gift cards from a catalog or website. Now, the first thing folks do when visiting the catalog website is to compare the prices with street prices. Now, that's a major blow to your incentive program when they see how much of their incentive money was wasted, and then then you hit them with the taxes on the overpriced stuff. And one other comment I want to make, Bruce, your CFO background is very valuable. One of the comments that you made a couple of times in the last few minutes was to look at the return on investment on incentive programs. In fact, a third of incentive programs today are not even measured return on investment, which to me is a cardinal mm-hmm. sin. So you've added a lot of great, great advice to this discussion. 
Okay. Well, thanks. I'll see if I can do some more. <laughs> but, you know, I, I do think that oftentimes people in our space uh, oftentimes feel that they can't communicate with the numbers folks. And one of the tough love messages we've always had, and I've always had in particular, is that we have to be able to speak their language to get what we want and uh, to get what we need for the, the, the call center sector. And I think this whole area of incentives and uh, motivation is so important uh, because we know how morale, turnover, et cetera, can have a huge impact on uh, the call center, on the, the quality of uh, service that we give to the, the customers, and, and also on our jobs as, as managers. It's just so much easier if people are happy and they stay instead of are unhappy and leave all the time. So I, I just think it, what you're talking about now, Bob, is just extremely important. Um, Brian, I think that uh, you have a couple of questions coming in. Can I hand it over to you to, to, uh, to ask those questions? Yeah, you bet. Uh, yeah, thanks, you guys. And I do want to remind everyone that you are free to either call in and ask us some questions live. And uh, just in case you don't have that, the uh, call-in number is 347-857-3117. And just make sure that you hit the one on your phone uh, and let me know that you have a question. We can talk about it offline. do want to uh, thank some of our listeners. We have some from Maryland, also uh, from uh, Florida, and even on the West Coast in California today. So thank you for just a couple of those folks. And uh and right now, I've got one that came in on email. So, gentlemen, here's the question. It comes from Alicia, and her question is, can you please elaborate or tell us a little bit more about team rewards? Good good question, Alicia. Team rewards are a two-edged sword. Uh, the good news about team rewards is that they're really helpful in getting people to do bonding. And bonding activities are valuable, especially for new hires, uh, in terms of reducing early-stage turnover. So I want to encourage uh, team rewards specifically for that area. The other side, though, the bad news about team rewards, if you, again, Bruce, I'm going to go back to my days in school, but if you remember <laughs> getting a, a, a putting a team together and everybody in the team gets the same grade on a project and you have <laughs> somebody who said, I'm you know, going on to graduate school, it's very important to me because I've got a 4.0 so far, and as much as they say, will you take one for the team, and do all the wonderful things to bring everybody else up. If someone isn't pulling their own weight, that can have a very discouraging effect on on the top performers. So be careful when you put team rewards together and make sure that the team reward amount of money that is available is a minority portion, in other words, less than 50% of the total incentive that's available for that group. So you, if you want to use them, by all means do so. But if you also go back to your days of picking team members on baseball and kickball and things like that. I remember being picked last on the third grade soccer team or something like that. And you want to make sure that the teams are established randomly uh, and change frequently even during the contest. Okay, so uh, in the case of uh, team rewards, they should be mixed in with uh, individual rewards as well and uh, perhaps more valuable during early stages than, than later on. Exactly. Would you say that's true? Exactly. Okay. Very early good. Stage, early great stage input. bonding is a great, great way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Great. Uh, Brian, you have another one? I sure do. This one came in email as well from Mark. How high up the organizational ladder should incentives go? Uh, as, as high as they can. You want to get upper management's buy-in on these as much as possible. Uh, so include not only, obviously, your call center agents, 
the team leaders, the supervisors, the managers, the directors. Take them as high as you can, but again, they must have different metrics and different measurements, different rewards, uh, et cetera, yeah, but make sure that they run in parallel as opposed to conflicting directions. But take them up as high the organizational ladder as it's possible to do so. Mm-hmm. I, I would agree with that entirely, and we've seen situations where, particularly if it's a sales center, that the supervisor reward can sort of be uh, ponzi if I can use that word, on top of uh, what the uh, agents are doing. And uh, that's a great way of making sure that the supervisor also uh, sees him or herself as the uh, booster, really, as the coach, as the advocate for the agent. In other words, the agent's success is going to be their success. So they'll really want to... um, uh, to, to, to make sure that those people do as well as possible, so they'll make sure that they're using the best practices possible. Um, so, yeah, would agree entirely with that. Um, okay, Brian, we've got another one. Okay, yeah, I've got two more, and uh, this one comes from Audra, asking, uh, how should we test and evaluate an incentive program? Well, that's a that's a good question, Audra, because it's difficult to do a compare this year with to compare this year with last year, uh, things are different every day, every month, if you will. So if it's possible to put together a couple of different programs, but try one at a time by splitting a group if down the middle as possible among like activities and like people, and let it run for a couple of weeks, if not a couple of months. Again, depending upon if there's a seasonality to the business that you're trying to work on. But comparing this time with last year is not relevant. Comparing Department A with Department D or B or C is not relevant if they, in fact, have significantly different differences in their business models. Hmm. Okay. Uh, great input there. Um, Brian, do we have one more? We're getting toward the bottom of the hour, but uh, if we've got another one, let, let's ask it. And, uh, you know, I think Mark, Audra, Alicia, all very great questions. Okay. Yeah, I've got one more uh, in the queue here. This one comes from Terry. And uh, Terry asks, any suggestions uh, for free, (laughs) of course, or low-cost rewards that would prove beneficial? Sure. Uh, There are a lot of them. Uh, Of course, there's always the proverbial one where you can, uh, with your award winnings, buy an extra break, uh, long uh, long lunch hour, take off early Friday. Uh, But I recently attended a conference in St. Louis this past week uh, of government workers, uh, government collection people, and they, of course, are under heavy scrutiny right now if you're trying to keep their costs low. We did kind of a round-table round, round situation. We came up with a whole bunch of them. And I'll just uh, go through them, if we will, for some of the, the comments that were made. One person suggested a treasure chest filled with items obtained from vendors at conferences. So another way they were thinking about the hotel right then. Uh, otherwise, accumulate days for purchase of casual days, extra break, etc. cetera. Uh, getting to pick the treats for the meeting. Or a team, uh, a team evening uh, with a group prize with potluck, potluck or an ice cream social. Or how's this one? A get out of meeting free card. Uh, another, another one. <laughs> I, I've heard of other ones where you get the best parking spot, but how about kicking the boss out of his or her parking spot? And the last one, and this one, <laughs> this one got a lot of applause and a lot of comments of requiring the boss to dress in business attire when the office has a casual day or a jeans day. So there are a lot of things you could do, both to claim things as well as to inflict psychological pain on the boss 
no, notice, <laughs> nobody, nobody suggested shaving their head, I noticed, though. Uh, so <laughs> other than that, that may have been, been thought of uh, but not mentioned aloud. Who knows? But you can have yeah. a lot of fun. And, you know, yeah. Some, yeah, and, and what happens in those cases is that, that people uh, tend to uh, take those situations. If you've got a good boss with a good sense of humor, at the end of the day, uh, people feel much more endeared to that person because they've taken the ribbing so well. Bruce, I did also. I saw someone who got to throw the first pitch at the boss in the dunk tank at the summer picnic. Uh, a little more, a little more <laughs> practical one I saw recently was the office was converting to flat screen monitors from big CRT monitors and they only had so many they could put out per week. And people bid for getting them first. You could spend your points <laughs> on that. So anything can be a prize and a reward. You can put a point value on it. Wow. You're a treasure trove of, uh, of thoughts on that. Those are great great suggestions. Uh, Brian, do we have any others that have come in? Yeah, I do. I've got one more here. Uh, oh, this one's a good one. I have a multinational operation. What do I need to think about in instituting a reward program across centers? Well, great, great question, and you'll find whether it's multinational or multi-cities, multi we have customers with uh, entirely different matrix and reward values in different cities in the U.S. For example, I have a customer both in Dallas, and they have offices in Denver, as well as on the East Coast. And because of different competitive labor markets, they have different rewards for attendance, or selling, things like that. They don't have the different currencies, but the incentive system that you put together or acquire must be extremely flexible without a lot of overhead to it. Now, that also leads into the questions of the prizes that you want. And I've seen people say, well, do I have to be clairvoyant? Uh, what do people want in this city versus that city, this culture versus that culture? And again, it might seem overly simple, but the refillable or fixed-value debit cards, the Spend Anywhere cards, solve that problem. And uh, lo and behold, that is a real win-win when you're dealing with, with uh, multiple locations because a debit card of, you know, in one country is usable elsewhere, and they're available, they're available quite universally. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. Uh, I think that works very, very well. And uh, fortunately, with these cards, really the whole world uh, is one card. I mean, you can do, you can buy things anywhere, so it's, it's great. Okay. Uh, well, Brian, do we have any more? I've got one more, if, you, if we have the time. Okay. Yeah, I think we can take one more. Okay. All right. This one comes from uh, uh, Francis, and, and by the way, that was Hank with the last question from Ohio. Thank you, Hank, for that question. And uh, Francis, with this last question, we'll get you in. And uh, she asks, we have an, a unionized center with lots of rules. Oh, boy. Do you have any suggestions, or can you help us with our incentive program? Well, I would recommend bringing the people in as soon as possible into the program uh, or to get their, to try to get their buy-in and help in designing it uh, because you don't want to have somebody fighting you, whether it's unionized or not. Get the employees involved as much as you possibly can. Uh, I had mentioned in some things may be uh, put in the contract, some may not. But along those lines, uh, we have a, a union shop customer where one of the rewards they have is that the employees can improve their shift bidding position by using points. And that makes the old old guard kind of sit up in the boat, as my mother-in-law would say, uh, and pay attention because <laughs> these young rookies are going to outbid them if they, in fact, improve uh, over them. So keep everybody involved early on 
And while I mentioned that uh, one-third of the incentive programs aren't measured ROI, and only about 25% actually involve the users in selecting the rewards and the prizes, again, which is another cardinal sin, if you will. So get as much participation in as early on as you can to ensure a buy-in as it comes together. Okay. Uh, great. Well, Bob, listen, uh, we've gone a little bit over, but I think it's been worth it. Really appreciate the input that you've had here. One of the things that I've learned from today's uh, show, too, is that we're all still kids at heart, right? We still like, uh, you know, if we, if we can't be in front of a pinball machine, we like to be in front of a slot machine, or we'd like at least to have the uh, reinforcement that comes with uh, the, uh, the, the these kinds of reward programs. And I think there's some really good takeaways uh, from this show that people can actually implement immediately in their call centers. So uh, thank you very much for that. It's been a pleasure having you on the show. And uh, with that, I'll ha hand things back over to Brian. All right. Yeah, well, thank you, Bruce. And, again, uh, our thanks to uh, Bob Cowan for all the insightful information that you gave us today. do want to congratulate our winners, the first five people with the questions, uh, Alicia, Mark, Terry, Audra, and Hank. Make sure that you email me at brian at benchmarkportal.com so I can help arrange that course for you. And, of course, be sure to join us next time as our next call talk will be broadcast live in October from Las Vegas on the 13th. And we're going to air our 20 ideas in 20 minutes, and it's a roundtable discussion that we'll be having with our industry experts at the time. So make sure you join us there. Don't forget to sign up for a free Reality Check Benchmark Report. See how your call center compares to others in the industry as well. Just go to our website, BenchmarkPortal.com, to look into that. From all of us here at Benchmark Portal, keep those headsets steady and your fingers ready. I'm Brian Carrington signing out. Have a great day. Once again, have a good one. Bye.